0: Chapter 30 of Olga Romanoff by George Griffith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Shadow of Death.
1: Ah, I see, said Olga. You have come to tell us this wonderful story about the comet and the message you say you have received from Mars over again you are not the first who have prophesied the end of the world by such means nor will you be the last to be discredited by the event once and for all then let me save misunderstanding by telling you that i don't believe a word of it and therefore nothing that you can say will have any effect on the course of action that i have determined upon you are of course at liberty to preach your truth elsewhere, and at your own risk though i fear it will be but the voice of one crying in the wilderness yes truly in the wilderness
0: said alma before alan
1: could reply but a wilderness that you have made with your own hands you who have been the evil genius of the world have you not done harm enough now that the world has only a few more weeks to live according to the idle
0: tale you bring us interrupted olga repressing with a barely successful effort the anger aroused afresh within her by the serene tone in which alma spoke it sounded rather like the voice of an angel speaking to a mortal than of one woman addressing another and even to herself olga was forced to admit that there could be no question of equality between this daughter of the heir and herself it is no idle tale replied alma almost in the same tone which he might have used in reproving a wayward child it is not even a prophecy it is a
1: mathematical certainty and if you understood you would believe you are wasting your time and your own breath
0: said olga scornfully
1: you are not my guess but the sultan's yet he may allow me to say that we have other demands upon our attention more important than listening to such sentimentalism
0: as this before alma could answer alan turned to the sultan as though not deigning to reply to olga's insulting speech your majesty i see that this is no time to perform the mission upon which i came we did not expect the presence of the tsarina here had we done so we should not have come for i know how vain it would be to reason with her i came prepared to satisfy the most skilful astronomers in your kingdom That what I say is absolutely true, and I venture to hope that you, if satisfied by their assurances, would give peace to the world for the remnants of its days. But even so, it is not for us to interrupt or even to introduce an unpleasant element into the doings of today. So, with your majesty's permission, I will leave the calculations with your minister and relieve you and the Tsarina of our unwelcome presence all this time the grand vizier musa al ghazi had been standing a little to the rear of the group shaking his beard nervously and looking anxiously from one to the other he seemed about to speak when caled said to alan with a courtesy which contrasted strongly with olga's contemptuous demeanor i thank you prince of the air as matters stand i think that will be the most reasonable as well as the most convenient course though i am far from convinced that you are not mistaken yet i can assure you that the bare skill in my domains shall examine what you leave us Musa. the old man turned pale as his master pronounced his name and stepped forward with a visible agitation which was by no means accounted for by the circumstances of the strange situation instead of waiting for caled's commands he said as he made his abeyance before him
2: commander all the faithful i am here but before your majesty bids me take these papers from the hands of alan arnold i would ask permission to say a word that must be said in private in
0: private Musa said chaelid frowning slightly and passing his hand
2: down his beard this is hardly a time for state secrets it is but my duty to my master that
0: bids me to speak replied the old man again bending before him a moment will suffice for the speaking of what i have to say musa's tone was so earnest and his anxiety so palpable that Caled, without more ado, made his excuses to the czarina and his unexpected guests and stepped aside, out of earshot, with his vizier. Well, Musa, what is it that is so pressing and yet so private? he asked, a trifle impatiently. My master replied the old minister, in a voice that now trembled with emotion
2: there is no need to examine the calculations from area an hour before daybreak hacham ben amru your chief astronomer at the observatory of memphis came to me and told me that he had completed his own calculations of the curve and period of the comet and that allowing for difference in longitude between our meridian and that of area the prediction for mars will be fulfilled beyond all doubt at midnight on the twenty third of september this was testimony which it was impossible for caled
0: to question musa's sincerity was beyond all question and hakem ben amru was the most renowned astronomer in the world outside area recoiled a pace as though he had been struck, and said in a voice hoarse with sudden emotion, "'Why did you
2: not tell me this before, Musa?' "'Because I would not mar my master's happiness for this day at least,' replied Musa. "'If it be true that the end of earthly things is at hand, a day is of but small account. To tell you would neither hasten nor delay the end.' but arnold's words forced me to speak for i knew that Hachem would speak if i did not
0: caleb laid his hands upon the old man's shoulders and said gravely but
2: kindly it was well thought musa and i thank you for your consideration evil as your news is it is
0: kismet and the will of allah must be done so saying he turned away and walked with slow steps and downcast eyes to where olga was standing talking to olof losensky with her back turned in open contempt upon alma and alan a single glance at his face told her that musa had no pleasant tidings to impart
1: your majesty looks grave she said hath musa given you news of some disaster to our forces
0: more than that Tsarina," replied caleb he has brought me confirmation that i cannot doubt of the truth of the message from eria that exclaimed alma in a quick passionate tone that all standing near could hear the confirmation of that
1: thrice tale with which these people are trying to impose on our fears surely your majesty is jesting now
0: no, old Sabina. it is no subject for jesting, but only for earnest and solemn thought," answered Kaled seriously. "I neither can nor will believe it," cried Olga passionately, her long-restrained anger completely overcoming her prudence, and her whole soul rising in ungovernable revolt.
1: Believe it or not, as you will, I will not it cannot be possible it is too monstrous for all credence why would one think the very fates themselves were fighting against us if that were true and for bringing the world to an end just as we have conquered it
0: for our own for our own as for these aliens she continued turning upon alan and alma and taking a couple of steps towards them they have come here with this vile
1: story to cover an attempt to make terms with us before it is too late it is a trick to deceive you but it shall not succeed in my presence do you not remember how upon this very spot little more than a year ago i showed you this same alan arnold who now comes preaching about his truce of god as the shameless liar and traitor that he
0: is she had thrown off all disguise and all restraint now hatred was shining out of her eyes and open scorn was upon her lips she waved her hands with a contemptuous gesture towards them and went on
1: if you have come to ask for terms of peace be honest and say so you need not fear to speak for there may be conditions on which we will let you live
0: Caled was about to utter some reproof and Alan's hand had gone instinctively to the hilt of his rapier, when Alma stepped forward and faced Olga, her own eyes now burning dark with anger, and her cheeks flushed with the hot blood which Olga's insult had called to them. Make terms with you, she said, looking down upon her from the height of her splendid stature. With you, who have
1: laid the earth waste and made the habitations of men desolate. With you, whom i could strike dead at my feet without staining my hand by laying it upon you it is for you to make terms if you can not with us but with the heaven whose justice you have outraged and whose patience you have scorned cease this idle talk of battle and conquest this impious defiance of the decrees of fate can you make terms with god if so then when you see his sign blazing in the heavens tonight cause it to change its path and pass aside from the earth if not kneel down and pray not for your life for that would be useless but for the strength to meet your end in the midst of the desolation that you have created
0: olga heard her in silence to the end a whole being shaken With the tempest of passion that Alma's words set raging in her breast. For a moment she stood speechless, white to the lips, and trembling in every limb from very rage. Then she suddenly stepped back a pace and cried in a voice more like the cry of a wild animal in pain than human speech
1: Whether the world lives or not, you shall not, whatever comes.
0: And as she spoke, she snatched a pistol out of her girdle and levelled it at Alma's heart. Before she could spring the lock, Alan had snatched Alma up in his arms, and Caled, with a cry of horror and anger, had sprung forward and grasped Olga's wrist. The bullet flew high, cutting one of the wings off Alan's coronet in its flight. Half a dozen strides took him alongside his ship, and in another instant he was standing on her deck. His left arm round Alma's waist holding her behind him and his right hand grasping one of his pistols. He raised his arm and the pistol flashed. At the same moment he stamped on the deck and the Alma leapt a thousand feet obliquely into the air. The second before the pistol flashed, Olga turned her head as though she were going to fire again and the motion saved her life. For Alan's bullet, instead of piercing her brain as it was meant to do, cut a straight red gash across her forehead from temple to temple and buried itself in the breast of orof lesensky as he sprang forward to snatch his mistress out of the line of fire he pitched forward and dropped and Kaled, forgetting everything else in the horror of the moment caught olga in his arms as a rain of blood streamed down over her face and a shrill scream of pain and rage burst from her lips although there were nearly three hundred warships floating in the air above alexandria and though the rapidly enacted tragedy on the roof of the palace could be distinctly seen from their decks, the alma escaped scathless, for the simple reason that so terrible was the energy developed by the projectiles in use that had one struck her as she left the terrace the palace itself would have been wrecked and every living being within a radius of two hundred yards from the focus of the explosion would have been instantly killed consequently the captains of the russian and muslim ships had to look on in angry impotence as she leapt out of range joined her consort and with her soared away westward until a height of fifteen thousand feet was reached and so vanished from the sight of their discomfited enemies From Alexandria they crossed the Mediterranean and Europe to Britain by way of Italy, the valley of the Rhône and Paris, at a height of some 5,000 feet from the land, what they saw more than justified the reports which had reached Aria. The fairest countries of Europe were now only blackened deserts and wasted wilderness. They flew all day over deserted fields and towns and cities that were little better than heaps of blackened ruins. And when night fell and the fire cloud blazed out of the sky, its glare was answered by flames rising from the earth, and huge patches of mingled smoke and flame which marked the sights of other towns which were only now falling victims to the destroyers. Society had practically come to an end. People who, a few weeks before, had been wealthy watched almost with apathy the plunder of their homes and the burning of their palaces by the armed bands of robbers which sprang up everywhere. There was no longer any protection for life and property. If anarchists on the earth did not burn and slay and plunder, their enemies in the air would, and even if they did not, what did it matter if friends and foes, plunderers and plundered, were to be consumed together in the fire that was about to fall from heaven? amidst the universal terror alma with her almost unearthly beauty the calm dignity of her bearing and the sweetness and gentleness of her loving counsels passed through the devastating lands rather like an angel of mercy than a woman of the same flesh and blood as the distracted panic-stricken crowds through which she moved by alan's side speaking her message in a voice that seemed to be an echo from some other world when the alma and the isma reached london ten days after leaving alexandria they found the vast and once splendid metropolis of the world a wide waste of broken blackened and in some places still smoking ruins of its fifteen million of inhabitants barely three million remained to people its fragments all the rest had fled soon after the first assault or had fallen in the pitiless carnage that had been let loose upon them they remained three days amid the ruins of london listening to the most heart-rendering tales of suffering and cruelty and giving in return such consolation as they could then they took the air again and journeyed on westward over the once fair and smiling english land that was now a wilderness amidst with plague and famine anarchy and destruction stalked triumphant while the few who listened to their message waited in despairing terror for the fate that could hardly be worse than what they had passed through since the fatal 16th of May. From England they crossed the Atlantic to America, and from America they sped over the Pacific to Australia, finding everywhere the same desolation upon the face of the earth, and the same terror and despair in the minds of men but for the awful reality before their eyes it would have been impossible for them to believe that the civilization which had seemed so strong and splendid four months before could have collapsed as it had done into such utter chaos in those four short months the whole tragedy of human life on earth seemed to have been re-enacted the frenzy and panic of war had degenerated into a universal delirium men women and children had gone mad by millions religious fanatics impostors and enthusiasts if possible more insane than their hearers preached the wildest and most blasphemous doctrines and uttered the most hideous prophecies not only as to the approaching end of the world but of the imaginary eternal horrors that were to follow it the art and science and culture of five hundred years had been forgotten in those few weeks of madness and mankind had sunk back wholesale into the grossest superstition of the dark ages every night when the flaming shape of the fire cloud blazed out among the stars millions fell down on their knees and greeted it with prayers and invocations as savages had once been wont to worship their fetishes by the end of august when the fiery arc overarched more than two-thirds of the heavens and rivalled the sunlight itself in brightness, the degeneration of humanity had advanced to such a fearful stage of intellectual and moral depravity that even human sacrifices were offered to appease the wrath of the deity who was believed to have taken the shape of the fire cloud. Under the influence of delirium, the human mind had gone back through twenty-five centuries and the worship of baal a moloch had returned upon earth only a small minority of men and women preserved their senses amidst the universal madness these greeted the arians as friends and heard their message and promised to remain steadfast to the end but as day after day went by and the terror grew and the nations plunged deeper and deeper into the saturnalia of frenzy and despair the task undertaken by Allen and alma grew more and more hopeless and when the last day of august came they at length confessed to themselves that it was useless to pursue it any further this too was the day on which the term of absence granted by the council expired and so at nightfall after having carried their message round the whole world and passed it by the mouths of those who were willing to listen through many lands they at length reluctantly turned their prows homeward and, with hearts sickened by all the unspeakable horrors they had witnessed, soared upwards into the luridly lighted heavens, leaving the world to the fate which in twenty-three days more would overwhelm the conquerors and the conquered, the few sane and the many mad, in universal and inevitable destruction. Alan timed his arrival so that the Alma and her consort crossed the ridge a few minutes after sunrise on the first of September. As they alighted in the central square of the city and disembarked to greet the group of friends and kindred who were waiting to receive them, a strange stillness struck their ears and sent a mysterious chill to their hearts. The splendid capital of Aria seemed like a city of the dead. Its broad white streets and squares were empty there were no boats on the lake and no aerial yachts in the air as they were wont to be at sunrise the gardens were deserted and silent even the songs of birds which had welled up from them in a chorus of greeting to the coming sun were now hushed and the birds themselves were flying restlessly from branch to branch twittering and calling to each other frightened sharers in the universal fear it was not long before alan learned from his father the explanation of this strange and mournful change in the life of the valley a few days after their departure a mysterious epidemic had appeared among the people of area first the old then the middle-aged and then the young had been silently and swiftly stricken down first in hundreds and then in thousands there was no sign of physical disease no apparent source of physical infection and none of the horrors which characterized the plagues that were decimating the outside world those attacked by it went to bed in apparently robust health and in the morning they were found dead with an expression of perfect peace upon their features and no marks of disease upon their bodies that was all that was publicly known there had been and as the president told his son there would be no inquiry into the cause or origin of the epidemic whether those who died died voluntarily or whether the visitation was a merciful release from the torment and terror of the general doom it was not for those who survived to ask it was enough for them that the shadow of death had begun to steal silently and swiftly over the land of the royal race who had raised the dignity of humanity to a height untouched before in the story of man they were content to know that their friends and kindred were permitted to die in painless peace rather than forced to writhe out their last hours in torture amidst the conflagration of the world. All day and all night for nearly a month the fires of a hundred crematoria had burnt, and day and night the funeral processions had never ceased passing through their gates the population of area which had been over a million at the end of july was now little more than a hundred thousand and these were hourly dwindling under the mysterious epidemic those who had returned in the alma and the isma accepted all without question and applied themselves with all their energy to the performance of the solemn duties that remained to them the work in the caverns of mount austral was now almost completed and the minute calculations which had been made had shown that it would be possible for 250 souls to find a refuge in them for 10 days if necessary. Sufficient supplies of food had been already stored, the machinery for lighting the caverns was complete, and the solid oxygen had been enclosed in steel reservoirs to supply what would be consumed by respiration, while provision had also been made for continually abstracting the carbonic acid, and other injurious constituents from the respired air. Everything that human genius and skill at their best could do to ensure the preservation of this remnant of humanity had been done. And by the 15th of September, the caverns were finally ready for occupation. Only one more task now remained to be completed, and this was the selection of those who were to survive, provided that the precautions taken proved adequate unspeakably pathetic as this work of selection was it was performed with a calm and apparently passionless precision worthy of the unparalleled solemnity of the occasion and the splendid traditions of those who accomplished it the field of selection was first narrowed by confining it to those who had been regularly betrothed when the first message was received from mars from these first the physically perfect were chosen then the strongest and the fairest of these and finally those who to their physical perfection added the highest intellectual and moral qualities the work was performed by the ruling council assisted by a council of an equal number of matrons who had what had once been accounted the misfortune to be childless neither joy nor sorrow was shown at least in public either by those who were chosen or by those upon whom the joint council was forced to pronounce sentence of death by rejecting them the natural joy of the chosen was lost in the universal sorrow of the now inevitable parting and those who were destined not to survive satisfied with the perfect justice with which the selection had been made consoled each other with the knowledge that they would die hand in hand and be spared the sorrow of surviving all who were nearest and dearest to them on the morning of the eighteenth the temple of area witnessed the last ceremony that would ever take place within its walls this was the marriage of those who unless their last refuge shared in the destruction that was about to bring chaos upon the earth were to be the parents of the new race that was to repeople the world the survivors of the whole nation now barely filled the vast interior of the temple the solemn words which bound youth and maid together as man and wife to face side by side the last ordeal that humanity would ever have to pass through were spoken in the midst of a silence which reigned not only in the temple but now throughout the whole valley all the sentinel ships had now been withdrawn save one which from a height of fifteen thousand feet still kept watch and warred against the coming of the foe that was even yet expected but this was the only sign of life within the confines of area and when the solemn ceremony was ended and the assembly filed out of the doors the members of it betook themselves almost in silence to their homes there to make their final preparations for life or death as destiny had selected them to live or die end of chapter thirty